friends, I'm so glad that you're here for this special episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You know, over the years, there have been few people that we have enjoyed learning from in terms of having a colleague or a friend or a peer, a uh, few people as important to us as Dr. Betsy Little. Dr. Betsy Little received her PhD in experimental psychology at the University of North Dakota. Uh, she was really important to some of the stuff that we were doing when I was academic dean up in the Seattle area. And ever since then, we have really trusted and appreciated the resource that she is, but more importantly, her friendship and the way in which she's able to bring her background that is very strong in psychology, research methods related to psychology, experimental psychology, where she's dealing with statistics and social psychology and uh, data. She is a resource for us also in terms of uh, the way we deal with um, marginalized populations, we deal with domestic violence and abuse. She has just been a, such a great resource. But we're not going to talk about any of that stuff today. Today, she's going to talk about positive psychology. She's going to talk about happiness. She's going to talk about a way in which that we can use this moment when we are forced to be quarantined, sometimes isolated. We can use this moment for positive positive growth in our lives, growth in our happiness, the healing of relationships, mutual gift giving. And uh, she is right now, we're so glad she's just down the road again. We, we met her up in the Pacific Northwest and now we're down in the Southwest. And she is at Palomar College uh, in, the, uh, in the San Diego County area. And let me tell you, her college is very close to the Dow Surfer Ranch. That's where our little property is. And so when we get out of this, you know, this quarantine mode, uh, we're really hoping to uh, be able to reconnect down there and hit some of the wonderful little spots to eat and the microbrews. Hopefully everybody will be back up and running sooner than later, but not so soon that we're in uh, any danger. Friends, Betsy Little, you need to hear this one. She's going to give you tips on how to survive and thrive and make the most of these moments and not to get into a spiritual, emotional, or mental funk, but rather to use this moment to actually establish patterns that are going to benefit you for a long, long time to come, a long time of peace and joy and thriving. Here we go. Thanks for being with us. Here's Betsy Little. Me and Stacy get to interview her via Zencaster, which is the tool kind of like what you may have been experiencing with Zoom, something that takes a little bit of time to get used to, but is a very handy tool in times like these and times like these, friends. We're so glad you're with us still. Be well. Let's go. All ahead, one third. All ahead, one third. Aye, aye. Time by to dive. Diving stations. Dive. Dive. Welcome, friends, to the Protect Your Noggin podcast. We offer lessons on outfoxing religious wolves, and sometimes we will address emotionally difficult subjects, so make sure you pay careful attention to our descriptions of each of the episodes, and then also have some resources handy, such as the Crisis Text Line, that's one of our favorites, which is 741-741, that's 741-741. Now... Just take a deep breath, because we're not afraid to go deep. But don't worry, because we'll also have some fun along the way. Our plan is to help us all 
resurface with insights and tools to help heal ourselves and our communities. So come along, because we got this. So Betsy, it's so great to have you joining us. Um, one of the things I was wondering is, is I have definitely felt in myself like, um, what do you say? Like this, like, it's hard to get motivated. You know, I, I meet with a bunch of um, uh, people once a week and like Zoom type stuff or whatever. And, I, and they're all, we're all across the country in different places and we're all feeling that. And I'm just kind of wondering from like a psychological standpoint or <laughs> I don't know, or why, you know, here you think you have all this time on your hands to get all this stuff done. And when it comes down to it, it's so hard to ever like, feel like like you could get started on a project or you know it just is overwhelming and then and you feel like I don't know I felt like I haven't made much progress so I'm just trying to figure out what might be going on here and if you have any yeah well I'm I'm also in the same boat you know it's I've been trying to wrap my brain about around this virus and the closures and the stay-at-home orders and like when I'm walking my dog in the morning it doesn't feel any different but like we're not going out and it's this weird kind of ambiance of not knowing what's going on and that sense of fear that always goes with or anxiety maybe not fear but at least anxiety of we don't know what's going on nothing like this has ever happened before and we don't know how long it's going to last or how we're going to come out of it and so all of that is already weighing on our minds before we even try to work from home or go take a class right and so there's already a pretty high psychological load and then on top of it, when you're trying to do your full-time job and I'm trying to take care of a four-year-old and I find myself being really short-tempered, stressed out, you know, I'm not even communicating very well with my loved ones or treating them well because I'm just, I'm anxious. Yeah. The other thing I, I noticed too is that even when we are, you know, walking our dog and stuff, like people almost don't even want to acknowledge that right. we're passing by. It's almost like they pretend like yeah. you're a ghost. Yeah, it's not <laughs> physical distance. It's social distance, it feels like, right? And and that's that's the problem is I don't want to approach people that I see every day because what if they've been in contact and, you know, all those things. It It is, it does take a toll. And so the the good thing for me this semester, at least, is that I'm teaching a human growth and development class, which is kind of my version of a positive psychology class. And the reason why I'm very fortunate in that is that positive psychology was developed to address issues just like this. How do we handle low motivation in a chaotic world? How do we move ourselves out of future thinking of like doom and gloom and live in the moment? How, what are the things that we can do to feel like we're okay in this moment in time? And so I've actually gotten to redesign the second half of my course since it's online. And uh, in addition to the topics that we cover, I'm also doing a, a challenge of the week, a positive psychology intervention challenge of the week. And so these are specific activities that have been supported by lots of empirical evidence, lots of empirical evidence in the field of psychology. And to kind of take a backup Most people think of psychology as understanding uh, people who are ill and helping them get better, right? But in the last yeah, I'm I'm laying on a couch and you're fixing my mama problems. Right, right. That's uh, there's something wrong with you and you need to be fixed, and that's that's the viewpoint of most of psychology. 
But about 20 years ago, uh, a movement in positive psychology that really stems out of your field, Jeff, out of philosophy, ancient philosophy and meaning, um, looked at, well, what about people who are just fine? Who are those that are doing really well? And what are they doing? And can the rest of us do that? Like, let's stop focusing on those who we've deemed as broken and need fixing. And let's see who our ideal exemplars are of how to live life. And what are they doing? And as it turns out, these people are doing the same, you know, 10 kind of things all across the board, regardless of their employment, regardless of any status, engaging in certain practices somehow leads to these people living a, a, a happy, wonderful life, even in the midst of chaos and, and crazy making times. One of the weird things about, about you know, all the classic philosophers you're, you're right on, especially Aristotle, the the whole the whole thing about philosophy was to get to happiness. The challenge is before I share any of these tips as we get along though is that you do have to engage with them. You have to make a decision that there's something that can grow and change in it and you have to really put time into it otherwise the activities themselves don't don't create the result we're looking for, right? So it's, it's not, not magic. magic. <laughs> you got and and, and you kind of have to make a decision. So the, the first thing I would want to uh, kind of tip number one that I put out there is comes from Carol Dweck, who looks at growth mindsets. And we have this idea of certain things in our lives are fixed and certain things in our lives we can grow and change. And some people go into the classroom thinking that intelligence is a fixed thing and there aren't things, practices that can change that. And what Carol Dweck found is that um, how you approach a challenge determines not only how long you will persist at it, but your long-term success at it. So she talks about these uh, uh, kids in Chicago public schools uh, doing a math test. And this was the experiment they ran. They had math problems that were just much too hard for these students to do. And then they asked the students to do them. And then they asked them how they felt about it and what that process was. And some of the kids were like, well, this is stuff that I don't know. I'm not smart enough to do this. And they didn't try. But the kids, some kids came back and said, you know, I was really hoping to be challenged today. I was really looking for an opportunity to learn something new. And those kids persisted and, and found themselves to be way more successful. So simply your attitude going in. If you didn't take classes online because you're not an online learner, that's a fixed mindset. But if you are, as a student, sitting in front of your laptop or me as a professor trying to figure out how to do stuff on technology when, you know, the Google didn't even exist when I was in school, we were asking Jeeves questions, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out this technology. And if I come to it saying I'm not an online teaching professor, then I'm not going to find a creative solution. If, if these students come and say I'm not an online learner, then they've already failed because they're not going to engage mm. in the process. So the first thing is check your mindset. <laughs> how how do is there before you get into like you know the individual looking at that you know you're a professor I'm a professor how how do you communicate this because sometimes I'll try to give people pep talks yeah and you know and they say well that, that those platitudes sound good but I'm they themselves know that that's what they should do like they know that they should get up in the morning and do do all this you, you say if you keep at this you can kind of change the way your mind works and the way your behavior patterns work is that right. Absolutely. And uh, research based on Carol Dweck, some of the follow-ups on that are actually showing 
that there is literally a neurogenesis happening in the brain for these people, for these kiddos that have growth mindsets. They can actually do MRIs and their brains are literally getting bigger because they believe that they can learn new things. And when you learn new things, your brain gets bigger and it's easier to learn new things. So it all builds. You know, I figure you, you think too, as people get older and they get pretty set in yeah. their ways, right? And they, they, they really do choose to limit themselves by thinking that, you know, that they just, there's just, they're too old to ever begin to figure some of this stuff out. But then you look at, I mean, some, some of them are doing excellent with technology, right? Like my, my parents are having to try to figure out Zoom and things like that for the first time. And, and it, you know, they kind of had it in them this whole time, <laughs> you know, if they just would have, would have pursued it or, or, or has or needed to. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, right? they just need to in, unleash their inner curiosity, their inner creativity and just dive in and say, okay, what am I going to learn? Like, what am I going to get out of this? What, where can I grow and challenge myself? That's excellent. Yeah. Mind over matter. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's supported by evidence. It's amazing. First of all, I just want to put in an, another plug for Carol Dweck. I've never met her, but one of my former students actually has worked with her. Nathan Iverson, you may remember. Um, but uh, check out her TED Talk on growth mindset. It's a great 15 minutes. We, we will link to it. Yeah, it's a yeah. We'll link to it. Go to uh, protectyournoggin.org, and in the show notes for this show, we'll have not only a link but also the video. You can just click right on it. Perfect. All right, so I'm going to list out the quarantine positive psychology intervention challenges as I have them for my students. Yay! Yeah. So this first one, post quarantine, was setting goals and creating a new routine. So one of the things that comes up repeatedly in the research about optimistic individuals, people who seem to be gritty and just they can get knocked down and bounce back up again, they all set goals. And one of the things to kind of bring in Carol Dweck's mindset was when I sat down to think about how am I going to cope with this, I wanted to see what are my goals for quarantine? Like, what are the things that mm. I, this is an opportunity I'm never going to have again? So my primary goals were to, first of all, find a new normal, because this is going to be a long-term thing. So figure out what that means for me and my family and, and the routines and naps and who covers kids when and all that stuff. But then I wanted to find a way to turn the quarantine into an opportunity to prove myself, do improve my home, work on my relationships work on being yeah. a better professor in a totally new avenue. And so it's an opportunity for me to try things out. It's okay if I fail because this is an experiment. Nobody's been in quarantine like this before. So I have... Yes, especially... Have you, how, how, were you doing a lot of online teaching before this? No, not very much. I mean, one class, maybe every other semester at most. Because I, I had done some, and the nice thing is, your, your point is, is really great. There's a lot of people that actually have found some aspects of it that they like, that they yeah. can incorporate later, but we didn't yeah. want to try it because it was just too scary. But now you kind of have a pass, right? Like everyone's getting a little bit of a, you know, you, you, you get, they, they understand if you're not going to be able to jump right in. Because you even had quite a big list there yourself. And what about realistic yeah. goal setting? Like how do you, you know, like how... What advice do you have for that? Because, you know, there's, there's so many things from the relationship, just yeah. to the daily routine, you know, everything there's just, and, and I think sometimes what I get a little ambitious and think, 
you know, that I'm going to just, you know, take on all these different things. And then, and then I find myself kind of failing yeah. at all of it sometimes. when Or I, if you fail a little bit at one part, you kind of throw in the towel on the other parts. At least I do. Right? Yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I can so, do that. Yeah. This perfectionist right, right? here. I mean, it's tough to get, it's so much easier to be in the middle of a project. It's so hard to get started on something. So for me, I started off with daily goals that I wanted to do every day. And one of those goals addresses my big overall quarantine goals. So things like around the house, if I do the laundry and a load of laundry every day and a load of dishes every day, my relationship status is better, right? Like that just makes life better at home, you know, but I also need to make sure that I'm doing yoga or deep stretching for like 30 to 45 minutes. Otherwise I'm going to get bunchy, right? Another goal is my goal is to do at least three non-screen related activities with my kid because it seems overwhelming. Like she's watching TV. It feels like eight hours a day. (laughs) And then I feel bad about that. Right. So my goal is just three activities, whether it's we go for a walk or we turn off the TV and have a dance party. It could be five minutes. It could be an hour, but it's a success because I tried. And then those little, yeah. And then those little successes start to build up your confidence and you're willing to take on bigger challenges. So I've been doing my day-to-day goals for, I think we're on week three now, and I don't even think about them anymore. They're just very automatic that like, you know, I'm spending at least 15 minutes doing a hobby I enjoy. I'm spending 15 minutes cuddling or grooming my dog. I'm spending 15 minutes cuddling or grooming my husband, you know, breaking it down into just small, measurable daily routines that, over time, they add up to reaching my big overall quarantine goals. And then you need to review them often, like every day, look at your list, see how you're going to get there. At the end of the night, look at your list. Did you do all right? Every week, set your goals for the following week and get into that habit. And you'll find yourself being more productive, kind of on accident. Right. I know it's something I've I think about always yeah. doing, <laughs> and then I haven't gotten. I I've gotten the furthest with writing a few things down on a whiteboard. Right, that was now. our goal for yesterday. <laughs> Write yeah. all our goals down. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so the next one that I'm looking at is savoring, and this is a practice where you take a few minutes um, to just really enjoy the small things that you enjoy during the day things that you may not even realize. So I didn't realize how much I enjoy my morning walks with my dog and my kiddo until, you know, I wasn't really able to go out of the house for a while. Mm. Right. So now I just make sure that I need to do that every day. We need to make a path that isn't going to be around people and we just need to walk. Right. Savoring the nature while I'm out there, the, the breeze. My kid and I look for snails. She's a big snail hunter. You know, we take pictures of photos or photos of uh, flowers, some we bring back and we're pressing to dry, you know, just little moments to capture yeah. the day to day, whether it's, you know, um, uh, I got a cup of coffee that I didn't make. I'm always going to a coffee shop like that's my daily and I haven't been doing mm. that during the quarantine. And I finally got like a good cup of coffee and I just sat there and enjoyed it. I didn't do anything else. I didn't think about what I needed to do. I didn't check the news on my phone. Jeff, right now, he's, we've been doing these walks and he's been looking at the uh, like local um, landscape and like finding out like, you know, again, 
going through like foraging, you know, what sorts of things are edible? What if in case we need, you know, for emergencies, but just for fun, you know, but like just look identifying all the local plants and, and. But don't scare Betsy. Cause this is the thing. Cause when Betsy first met me, I came on as Dean at Trinity Lutheran and the, like, I probably jumped in a little too fast. Betsy, what was I doing? You just, you, you say it from your perspective. Yeah. So I met you, we uh, were over the summer and you decided that you were going to only eat foods that you found fished or foraged. And uh, it started out pretty great for a week, but as you got hungrier and hungrier, you started saying that you could forage food out of my lunch bag because you were foraging in my <laughs> food. If it was like if it was in your garden, yeah, no, I was trying to live off the land for a month or two, and I lost two pounds a day because it takes a lot of caloric uh, expenditure to get a, a little handful of huckleberries up on top of a mountain. It doesn't it doesn't work so well. But I will so I don't, I just only reason I wanted to interject that is so that you didn't get worried. That I was back on that. I am more than happy to eat regular food, but uh, I will also put on the on the website the list of uh, the cool things I found. I found radishes and wild beets that were just like living right on the side of the road. But that's a side issue. But it actually isn't because it connects up with this. You know, that's what I love doing. But I get so busy, so I'm not going to identify my birds. I'm not going to identify the plant species because I gotta I gotta work. And now I'm kind of forced to be able to do this if I don't take advantage of that savoring that you're talking about. I've totally squandered this this opportunity. So I love that one. That's so good. Look, like I'm enjoying the uh, butterflies that right. we have. <laughs> you know, I've mentioned them a lot, but you know, just that we that I'm home to be able to watch them be caterpillars and then form their chrysalis, and now we're waiting for them, you know, to come out and, and fly away. And anyway, that's that's something that if it happened last year, we saw one chrysalis, but you know, I, I didn't notice any of that going right. on last year. And you know it had to happen in our garden. So anyway. One of the, uh, if you have difficulty like getting into savoring, um, one of the best ways to get into it is practicing mindfulness. And there are about a billion guided meditation, mindfulness practice videos that you can do. And that's a way to help you kind of slow down if, you, if you're in the habit of just go, go, going. Take 10 minutes a day to, to meditate and do a online guided meditation on mindfulness. So that's tip number two, savor or practice some mindfulness. Enjoy the small moments in your day. Tip three, I'm going to combine two of our challenges. Uh, we did for the whole semester, my students had to do a gratitude challenge. But practicing gratitude on a daily basis or in larger ways where you find People in your life to just take time to think is impressively uh, powerful on your happiness. So there's a, I'll send you the link to this, but there's a great video about um, making a, a gratitude phone call. And, and they showed the study that demonstrates how much uh, happiness can increase the moment you perform a, gra a act of gratitude. And they found that people who came in when they measured their mood before, the grumpiest people had the biggest impact or the biggest spike in their happiness after making a gratitude call. The more you thank people and tell them how much they mean to you, the better they feel and the better you feel. And it just gets easier and easier. All these practices build and get easier and easier the more you do it. So like you could easily do an appreciation, like a partner appreciation, where you think about... Um, you know, someone that's in your life that that is helpful for you and think about, you know, three of the characteristics that you love about them. 
whether they are your significant other, or your best friend, or your roommate, family, it doesn't matter. What are three of the characteristics that you love of them? Think about a time where they really demonstrated that and then tell them. And they feel good and you feel good. It's interesting too, because I've, you know, like I've done the, where I've, you know, written three things down, you know, each day that I'm uh, mm-hmm. you know, thankful for. Um, and that was, that was good. But I think, I think uh, all of this happened and I stopped doing it, which was kind of funny. <laughs> I was all, you know, doing a great job of that. But I do like this better because it, it does feel when I'm, you know, the idea of making a phone call or something, because, um, you know, it's one thing for me to think, you know, just write down three things that I'm grateful for. And that's, and that's great too. But there is something about that human connection, right? That is infectious. That is, it, it just feels a little, it still feels a little, um, I don't know, just one way or a little dull, I guess, uh, writing it down. And I still think it's better that, you know, and it helps me to put myself in a good mindset. But if I'm just doing it by myself and writing it down, I could see how it's less effective than making phone calls, having that human interaction, and really telling people what we're thankful for, you know, that, that to me is something I'll definitely, um, I'll definitely incorporate and, and try that because I didn't even think about that aspect of gratitude. Stacy, that's why um, what you're saying there, I think fits very nicely with um, the rabbi we quoted from uh, the Mishnah who had, had talked about the idea that more important than thinking about an infinite afterlife are those moments of that gift giving or that love that you extend. And so in, I think yes. a lot of uh, too often religious people are constantly worried, is there an afterlife? Am I going to go to hell if I don't have the right religion? And they're spending all their time doing that, but they're in a living hell now because all they have to do is pick up the phone and give that actual love. And so, uh, Betsy, the the, the uh, reference uh, to, to the uh, the specific rabbi was, he was saying that uh, one act of, of, of joyful repentance, you know, kind of reconciling with somebody in this life is worth more than an infinity in the afterlife. And what you're saying there is, if, if nothing else, at a very practical level, he's right, that 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 is kind of the, the more important practical spirituality. And especially as we're sitting here stuck at home, it's something we can do. And it, like you said, doesn't cost anything. And there's probably a lot of people that'll appreciate it more now than otherwise. Sometimes they might've thought you were just trying to ingratiate yourself to them for some kind of, uh, you know, multi-level marketing business or something. Now it's just, if you're going to share love with somebody, this is a good time to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I mean, especially while we're making these calls to check in on our family members just to see how they are. There was a, a Huffington Post or a BuzzFeed, I forget which one, I read them both, that just had people um, report back during the quarantine uh, relationships that might not have ended well prior to quarantine and how people are trying to kind of make connections because they realize, yeah, we fought about this and that, but right now, like, are we all going to survive this? And and so you kind of get into perspective of the bigger picture of no matter what, you still love these people. And no matter what rifts you've had in the past, this is a great opportunity to say, you know, we may not be friends like we ever were again, but I still care about you. And I want to just make sure you're okay. I'm just checking in. Uh, something that's kind of related to it is actually performing random acts of kindness. So in that same kind of bump, Uh, that we get when we tell someone why we love them and they start to smile and thank you. Doing something for random strangers also gives you a big old endorphin hit. Now, I know it can be a challenge 
because we have to be socially distanced. How do we practice random acts of kindness? Send someone you know a picture of a cute animal. Call a friend you haven't talked to in a while. Make a cup of tea or coffee for someone you live with. Um, arrange to watch a film at the same time as a friend on Netflix or Zoom. I mean, we're all getting used to that stuff. Now you can make distant connections again. Um, send an interesting article to a friend. Donate to a charity. Donate to a food bank. Um, there was a New York Times article that came out a couple days ago that was just talking about how do we cope with feeling low? Let's give back. And they give a list of organizations and things you can do at a distance. There's a app called Be My Eyes where you download it and people who are blind and can't see stuff, if they have to make a decision or know where they're going or what color their clothes are, they'll open up this app and it'll ring and connect to someone who else who also has it on. And they'll get a video chat and they can say, hey, the one in your right hand is blue. The one on the left hand is red. And that person is like, thank you. You helped me out. So you can do things from home to still help those who are struggling or send a joke to cheer somebody up, you know, offer support to neighbors that are vulnerable. You know, I've seen uh, on our walks with uh, morning walks with the dog in our uh, neighborhood lending libraries, you know, the give a book, take a book. Somebody's put in homemade face masks and said, hey, if you have any of the disposable ones, go donate it to the hospital and take one of these for free. You know, you're just seeing these acts happen because people feel like they have so much to give. Let's let's give to those who need it because so many need it. I mean, I know this has already been done, but those people that are, you know, if you're still going through a drive through or whatever, you could do the, the you know, pay for the yeah. person, you know, behind you or whatever, that right? kind of thing too. Um, I know my sister was, you know, this was like when things were a little crazier at the store, but she had talked about how, you know, she saw some folks that were seeming to always be behind and trying to catch up with like the supplies that are available at the grocery store. And so she was like, there's beans down here, you know, and trying to like help, you know, point out this poor couple, they just, everything they were looking for wasn't there. And she was just trying to help them fulfill their list. And I think with the social distancing and things like that, people don't want you to get too closer in their business or touch their things. But, um, but you can look out. Like I know that there are times even when I've been, shopping and there's been somebody that's been um, in, a, in a cart and they can't reach the, st the stuff on the top. And even in this setting, they might still want help. Absolutely. With that, in know? my neighborhood, we've got a guy named Bruce who uh, is developmentally, developmentally disabled. He's in his mid fifties, but every morning he stands on the corner and waves to all the cars and they all honk. And it's just kind of a nice neighborhood thing. And as I was walking by, I, you know, I just stopped and said, Hey, I'm going to make a grocery order. Do you need some things? And he said, yeah, and told me what he needed. And dropped off the groceries the next day. You just, you don't have to look too hard to help people out. Next tip. Exercise. <laughs> ah, we all need it. We all want to do it. <laughs> but do we ever start it? Exactly. The question, right? This is a great time to go see what's out there. I know a lot of like the YMCA that I belong to is putting out videos of their instructors doing things live. There are uh, so many YouTube videos that are coming out for people that are doing it for free, high paid professionals, because they just want people to have something to do. You know, exercise improves our mental health, our cognitive functioning, our memory. It reduces stress. It reduces social anxiety. It reduces depression. It positively increases uh, neurogenesis or creating new neurons in the brain. It improves how existing neurons work or neuroplasticity. 
And it even releases neurotransmitters that give you those feel-good bumps, you know, the serotonin, the dopamine, the endorphins, all that good stuff. We we have failed so far to uh, make as much time as we were hoping to take advantage of some of that stuff. And I think I think you have encouraged me, Betsy, to add this to my schedule. <laughs> the, one, the one that we started now on our whiteboard. Yeah, I don't see uh, I don't see any sure exercise on the whiteboard, happen. baby. You got to get that on, <laughs> uh, Betsy. I don't know if you're if you're finding this with Kyle. Um, our dog actually is a little bit. Uh, you're not a, you're not an animal psychologist, <laughs> but our, our dog, I think our dog is a little bit frustrated because she constantly has us around. But yep. in the old days, she was waiting for us to come home and she was perfectly fine to sit for three, four hours. And then we'd come home and then there would be this big party and we'd love her. And then we would pet her and then she would roll on her back. And this had happened all day. And now, um, we're all just stuck at home. And so she never gets those heightened moments. And so mm -hmm. she's getting more attention, but she's kind of flipping out at, how's your dog doing? And do you have any insights into what the heck might be going on there? Yeah. My dog is pretty good at avoiding, uh, uh, family interactions with the toddler around. So after our walks, he climbs up into his couch and he's good. So, <laughs> and he's a little older. Yeah, his routine is it has been undisturbed by the quarantine. So he he's a happy little guy. That well, that's happening with my kid though. Like her being around and getting all this attention from us is making her kind of a butthole. But I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> yeah, she it's interesting because the moment I want to try to do work or if the moment I have a student meeting online or class, then she wants to be all up on my lap. But if I want to play with her later, she wants to be on her iPad. Ugh. Drama. Well, yeah. And, you know, the other thing I'm wondering, too, because so our dog, what, she's about a year and a half old. And she when she was a puppy, she got all kinds of attention and has, you know, largely all up until this time. And so when we would go on walks, people would want mm -hmm. to pet her and other dogs would want to interact with her. And now it's like everybody, you know, you're supposed to stay away from everybody. And so yeah. she's frustrated, I think, that you know, that other people aren't going to acknowledge her and that she can't socialize with the other dogs. And so I, I know that that's part of also this frustration that she's having. And I'm just curious because having, obviously, little kids are cute. <laughs> and do you notice anything, I, not to say that kids are like dogs at all, but I'm just saying, do you notice any difference in her like that? Um, I guess maybe she's interacting with Zoom, so she's a appreciating bit, that. She definitely like misses, she's an extrovert as much as I am, and so she misses that social interaction. So I have to be really thoughtful. Like when we go for a walk, we used to go to the coffee shop pretty much every morning during the week. And so I told her it was closed, but we accidentally walked by it, and it was open. And so she wanted to, like, run in there, you know? Oh, no. So she definitely, like, since then, she's like, let's go to the coffee shop and say hi to the ladies. I'm like, we can't, honey. You know, and so, yeah, she's she's missing the social interaction. She doesn't know why she doesn't get to go to preschool. And it's she knows that there's the lung bug, and that's why everything is closed, and she can't go to the zoo or SeaWorld. But it's still – it's you know, we walk by the playgrounds and she's like, why can't I go there? <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's obviously taking a toll on all of us in all different sure ways. And it sure is. So that leads me actually nicely to my last tip before I have to go. Cause the toddler's about to rise <laughs> <laughs> from her nap. Uh, anyway. Um, so the last tip of 
um, from my class that I'm looking at is uh, journal. Do some journaling. So this is a great time to either write down your thoughts, but I'm more of a prompted journal kind of person myself. And so, you know, think about uh, having the opportunity to um, look online or see what kind of journaling prompts there are and just take a little time to reflect each day. Um, think through these thoughts because they're going in our head, but, but sometimes just getting it out on paper is really, really helpful. So I, I would say journal. And one of the journals that um, I actually bought for my students is called the Big Life Journal. And granted, it's for teens, but I like it. It's very attractive and it's got some really good ways to think about kind of setting yourself up post-quarantine. So it starts off looking at, you know, what's your mindset going in? What's your daily routine? Who are the people in your life that are positive? You know, uh, who are the people you spend the most time with and do they drain your energy or do they feed your energy? And can you do anything about that? This is a great time to get really introspective because once the the ban is lifted, man, we're going to be going full speed. And if we can instill some good practices to maintain healthy once things pick up, it's going to be really good for our long-term outcomes of both going into quarantine and coming back out. Betsy, you're so right. Thank you so much. And friends, if you have a um, yes. if you have something that you're going to journal or you, you write down some thoughts, feel free to send it our way. And uh, if it's a question or comment, feel free to do that as well. But Betsy, I'll tell you what, uh, partly uh, we really needed to get this information to our uh, our listeners, but partly we want to check in with you. It's so good to see you or yeah. uh, virtually see yeah. you. <laughs> you take care, take care of that family. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. And thank you so much for taking out this time. And, and, you know, obviously you mentioned this is precious nap time that you, you spent with us. So Absolutely. we appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, just, I want to put a plug in for a website. I don't know any, like I, I own, own nothing to these individuals, but um, if you're really interested in the whole idea of positive psychology, um, I, I really, or these practices in general, um, positive psychology.com. So let me make sure. Yeah, it's. I wish I bought that domain name. That's a nice. Dot com. It's all one word, and they have not only all this information and all the research that I'm talking about, but they have worksheets, they have ac activities and exercises. Um, it's just rich with not just only the knowledge, but stuff you can actually start doing today. Well, thank you so much. Yep. We'll add that to the show. No notes. problem. Thank you. Give our best to your beautiful, wonderful family. And uh, to the rest of you listeners, peace upon peace. Oh, thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said I wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind.
swing out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter no too much. <laughs> 